Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. This is the American Veteran Show. Proud to finally say these two words. Welcome home. Dedicated to those who have worn the uniform. Tremendous national asset. Dedicated to our active duty men and women. They came not as conquerors, but as liberators. Dedicated to presenting issues, topics, and interviews highlighting their commitment to our country. I want to thank the courageous men and women who've served their country in uniform. Less than 1% of the population of our country chooses to serve our country in the military. The other 99% of us, we owe them. Online at AmericanVeteranShow.com. Here's Stephan Tubbs. Welcome to this week's edition of the American Veteran Show. As always, thank you so much. We've got such a terrific program ahead. There are stories that may make you mad. There are stories ahead that may make you, of course, reflect and, and certainly make us sad in reporting news. An update on that Alaska crash with two U.S. Army helicopters. We'll get into that here in this first segment. Also coming up, we pay respects to you Vietnam veterans once again, an incredible Vietnam veteran named Harlan Olson, representing all of you veterans in Longmont, Colorado. A couple of segments with him coming up. Look forward to having you hear that. And then we wrap up the program with a man who was in the news for many different reasons that had nothing to do with U.S. veterans, but all of a sudden the gift and the story of hearing about Denver business owner Don Hines and his World War II hero father. We'll have that coming up. First, though, we couldn't do programs like this without our presenting sponsor, Attorney John Boson at Boson Law, fighting on behalf of veterans every single day. Thank you, John, and your team for your support. You can reach them via telephone 303-999-9999 or online 24-7, bosonlaw.com. That's B-O-E-S-E-N, law, bosonlaw.com, specifically now trying to help those camp. Lejeune veterans. We begin, though, with news of up to 1,500 U.S. Army troops from various portions of the country headed to the United States-Mexico border. This from CBS News. CBS News confirms the Biden administration will send 1,500 active duty troops to the southern border. Now, it comes as the pandemic era policy, Title 42, is set to end next week. The policy allows officials to expel migrants without processing asylum claims. Joining us now with more on this is CBS News reporter Camila Montoya-Gavez. All right, Camilo, uh, let's talk a little bit about what we expect the troops to be doing at the border. Good morning, Emery. These 1,500 
active duty troops from the Department of Defense are set to play a support role along the U.S.-Mexico border, assisting U.S. Customs and Border Protection with administrative duties like data entry and also transportation and other operational needs. It is very important to underscore that they will not play a role in detaining, stopping, or otherwise processing migrants and asylum seekers. And that is because under federal law, the military is generally barred from conducting civilian law enforcement. And that includes, obviously, immigration enforcement, which is overseen by the Department of Homeland Security. And this deployment of military troops, which has some historical precedent because other administrations have taken similar measures, stemmed from a request from the Department of Homeland Security, which is right now, as you mentioned, Anne-Marie, preparing for a spike in migration once the Title 42 pandemic era restrictions on asylum-seeking migrants will end on May 11th. So then, Camillo, I'm sure the administration would prefer fewer people actually make it to the border um, or, or think the border is, a, is the best option. So has the administration been doing anything else other than planning to send troops to the border, anything else to discourage people from heading to the border? Yes. Uh, the short answer is yes. The administration right now is finalizing a sweeping regulation that would disqualify migrants from asylum if they cross into the U.S. illegally, Anne-Marie, after failing to seek protection in a third country like Mexico or Guatemala that they traveled through to get to the U.S. This is very similar to a regulation that the Trump administration tried to put in place before it was blocked by federal courts. So the administration believes that this regulation will deter migration and allow the U.S. to rapidly expel migrants who don't have valid asylum claims. The administration is also setting up processing centers in Guatemala and Colombia to process migrants there and to have them wait there for a chance to enter the U.S. legally or to be resettled in a country like Canada or Spain instead of crossing the U.S.-Mexico border illegally. They're also having some migrants come to ports of entry along the U.S.-Mexico border through a mobile app known as CBP-1. This allows hundreds of migrants to request appointments at ports of entry so they can enter the U.S. legally and request asylum, again, in an orderly way, instead of crossing in between those ports of entry across the river or in the desert illegally. But again, the open question, Anne-Marie and Vlad, is whether this strategy will work and ultimately deter significant number of people from coming after Title 42 is lifted in just a week. All right, Camillo, thank you very much for your reporting. We appreciate it. That from CBS News. Now to an update on the air crash involving two helicopters with the United States Army. Our condolences most certainly go out to the members, the family, the friends, the, the fellow servicemen and women who are still, no doubt, obviously in mourning. Two U.S. Army helicopters crashed in Alaska. They have formally identified the victims from New York, Utah, and here in Colorado. The victims, identified as Chief Warrant Officer Christopher Aramo, 39 years old, of New York. Warrant Officer Stu Wayment, 32, of North Logan, Utah. And, rest in peace, Chief Warrant Officer Kyle McKenna, 28, of Colorado Springs. The Army decided to ground all non-critical aviation. Let's get more on that from CBS News as well. The Army Chief of Staff has ordered a total of aviation stand down after the collision of two Apache helicopters in Alaska. 
Three soldiers were killed in the crash late Thursday near the town of Healy. They had been returning from a routine training mission. A fourth soldier was also injured and is in stable condition. The Army has not yet said what caused the crash. A team of investigators is set to arrive on Saturday. Let's bring in David Martin. David, what's the significance of this stand-down? Well, it's a a very significant stand-down. Sounds like it. It it covers every Army pilot. Across the entire Army, they're going to have to uh, stand down and review uh, all of their uh, safety procedures because the trend so far this year has uh, been really alarming. There have been um, three fatal uh, helicopter crashes uh, so far, and another one which which uh, uh, totaled the uh, the helicopter, but which did not uh, result in fatalities. But to put that in perspective, since 2018, the Army has lost an average of five soldiers a year to aviation accidents. So far this year already, it has lost 14. Wow. So, David, let me ask you, I mean, no one has better institutional knowledge of that building than you do. And I'm going to ask you to give me your assessment of what you think is going on here. I mean, is it poor maintenance? Is it old equipment? Is it operator error? What's your sense? There have been Mm -hmm. countless safety reviews done over the years, and uh, they all come down uh, to uh, one bottom line, as far as I can see, is that uh, pilots end up getting saddled with uh, so many collateral duties that they don't oh, spend hmm. enough time focusing on flying safely. Uh, whether that is the factor in these uh, accidents, it is way too soon to tell. But in, in previous trends, when they have ordered these uh, safety reviews, that has been one of the key findings. The pilots just get overloaded with collateral duties and are unable to focus on their primary duty of flying safely. And just uh, really quickly before we wrap up, just for a layperson, what would be a, a collateral duty in this case? Oh, my gosh. You, you could. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there are all sorts of administrative uh, I see. duties that, that officers uh, get assigned. I mean, uh, you can be in charge of the, uh, the mess uh, uh, for your squadron, making sure that the meals are good. You can have all sorts I of see. administrative duties with uh, your squadron. There's just no end of the administrative work that goes with being in the uh, military. David Martin at the Pentagon, thank you for your reporting. Rest in peace to those soldiers and our condolences from the American Veterans Show to their friends and family. Most certainly our heartfelt condolences. When we come back, meet an incredible Vietnam veteran who was there way before Vietnam was in the headlines. We'll talk with him from Longmont, Colorado. That comes up next. This is the American Veterans Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. Back to the American Veteran Show. We continue now with Stephen Tubbs. We continue the American Veteran Show with a very special in-studio guest, and I'm so appreciative of our Vietnam veterans. And I welcome each and every one of you home. And I know that is uh, that is not much, but it is uh, it is certainly the way that you, I think, listening should should in fact welcome home our Vietnam era veterans and. 
I just I'm reading this and it, it, it reads like a Hollywood script. I was raised on a dairy farm in northeast Iowa. Please welcome Harlan Olson. It is great to see you again. Welcome home and thank you so much for your not only your time today, but your your dedication and sacrifice to the country. Thank you, Stefan. Appreciate that. You are here and we're gonna get into something that you don't have to do. You you search for the cremains of veterans and making sure that they have a proper burial and I just we just met but I mean a tip of the cap and a salute for for doing that but I want to go back into the archives of your life tell me about growing up on that that dairy farm growing up on that dairy farm well it was an interesting experience uh at least you learned about uh animals and you learned mechanical abilities welding all kinds of things that happen on that farm but on a dairy farm uh, it's, you know, you milk your cows twice a day, and no matter, seven days a week. No matter the weather? No matter the weather, no matter what. So when I graduated from high school, first I wanted, decided I wanted to be an Iowa Highway Patrolman. So I joined the military, signed up for the military police, figuring that would get me into the program. But the Army had different, uh, different ideas. So when I went to Des Moines for the induction they said, Mr. Olson, come over here. We'd like to talk to you. And uh, so it was uh, enlisted or asked me if I wanted to take – well, they said, you don't want all that spit and polish of military police. And I said, well, what do I want? He says, <laughs> how about the Army Security Agency? And I says, that sounds interesting. Had so, you ever heard of that? No. Yeah. No, I never heard of it. Never heard of Vietnam either. And so – and that was never brought up. But uh, but that's – they said, here, you can – you know. Uh, it'll send you up. You know, and then they also said, have they got anything in your past to keep you from getting the top secret crypto clearance? And I says, no, sir, I don't think so. Right. How old and were you then? I was uh, 19. 19 years old. You're yeah. coming off of a dairy farm. Had you ever been on a plane? Mm, yes, I had. My Uncle Toby uh, had a Beechcraft Bonanza. That. Uh, How about a commercial airliner? I don't think I had been at that time. And then that was that courtesy Uncle Sam as well? It was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Harlan Olson is a Vietnam veteran. He is he's here and I just I love getting to know all of you uh when you're on as a guest. And if you haven't been a guest, you know how to get in touch with me, or at least you should. It's all on the on the uh website at AmericanVeteranShow.com. So you're nineteen and was that nineteen what was that early 60s? That was, uh, was 1962. when I joined the Army, June yep. of 1962. And then where do you go from there? I went to Army Security Agency School, well, basic training in Fort, uh, uh, Fort Bragg. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leonard Wood, excuse me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fort Bragg was later. Mm-hmm. But Fort Leonard Wood, and then uh, off to uh, Fort Devens, Massachusetts for Morse Code training. And that's that was my job in the Army was to copy Morse code and send Morse code listening to uh, North North Vietnamese and Viet Cong uh, message uh, being sent back and forth. And then we would copy that down and send it off to NSA uh, in Washington to be deciphered in computer systems. After came back, went to Fort, uh, let's see, Fort Bragg for a little bit and then down to uh, Homestead Air Force Base and, and finished up my three years there mm-hmm. so you at, at, at some point are you going wow not many years ago i was 
on a dairy farm, and I was talking to this guy, and he said, "Why do you want to do this?" A military police, and then all that you're 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 doing the Morse code thing, and I'm just wondering, was was it ever a thing in your mind? Going, where where am I? What am I doing? Yeah, it was. I when I was there in Vietnam, though, it, it felt like I was doing something that was important. I felt uh, good about myself. I and uh, so I felt like I was serving. Uh, serving my country, and and uh, I actually enjoyed the work, mm. and uh, so it was it was it was a good good time. Now I don't know if this is subconscious or conscious. Okay, but I'm going to put you on the spot because I love you already. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just kind of mentioned as an aside. Well, you know, I was there in Vietnam. You did not talk about your feelings going there, so let's start there. You had never heard of Vietnam. When you, in 1962, wh- what percentage of this country had heard of Vietnam in 1962? I'd in, say a very small percentage. I think you're absolutely correct. Uh, that word didn't enter the mind until I was almost through my training mm-hmm. and uh, had gone to uh, gone through training, and all of a sudden my name goes up on the board as being uh, – actually, what I did do, though, is – I take back up a little bit yeah. here. I went to, I made two uh, terms in uh, Homestead Air Force Base where we were watching the Russians and the Cubans. You are in such a tumultuous time. Oh, yeah. You know, it's the early 60s. You get in in June of 62. President Kennedy is in the White House. You've got the Cuban Missile Crisis. You've got uh, a tumultuous rest of the decade, obviously, that you would not know. That is is to come. But that had to be crazy being down in Florida at the time. Well, actually, I was only in Florida for maybe a month or two and then got transferred to Vietnam, this place I'd, where's Vietnam? Anyway, so November of 63, I end up in Saigon, and I'm in the transit barracks waiting for my clearance to catch up with me over there and my top secret clearance. And this news that President Kennedy had been Kennedy had been shot and killed. I mean, I'm, I'm just there. You're in Saigon. In Saigon, no more than a few days, and uh, we get that news. And it was it was heart wrenching uh, to get that news. And then, you know, the like, what's going on in this world? You know. Harlan Olson is our guest. We'll have him for for certainly another segment coming up here on the American Veterans Show. It is not lost on me that. Later this year is the 60th anniversary of the assassination of John Kennedy. Now I know someone who in November of 1963 got the news and you were in, in Saigon. Do you, can you remember that? Like, like, is it a pit in your stomach, an ache in your heart? What does it feel like it's, talking about it? You know, there's people talk about things that they remember, where they were at. That's a day or day or period, uh, period of time there that, that I will never forget. What I was, I was laying in my bunk, uh, waiting for go to chow or whatever, and this this uh, news comes filtering through. And of course, it was a whole time difference between Dallas, Texas, sure. and and Saigon. So it's this is in the middle of the night uh, or late at night where the news comes through. And yeah, it it was. I remember just like it was yesterday. Hmm. Let me ask you: you you're in Vietnam a year? Yes. Do you feel and have you in in the decades since, do you consider yourself lucky in that you were gone before really it became 
daily. For some families, obviously, maybe hourly. They're trying to find out the latest, and it certainly was different 60 years ago uh, or you know, 55 years ago. Do you consider yourself lucky that you were in and out early? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, my wife and I talk about that every once in a while, that we feel that God was with us in, in that we I served early enough to where the we there was danger, but there wasn't I wasn't in gunfire type of range. Right. I was it was IEDs that we had to watch out for. You went downtown or into a bar or restaurant or whatever, you had to watch out for IEDs. And matter of fact, I had two friends of mine that were killed at a softball game. Uh, somebody had put a bicycle loaded with. Uh, with explosives underneath the bleachers, and it could have been me, you know. Mm. We're talking with uh, U.S. veteran Harlan Olson. When we come back, I want to pick up and uh, and have Harlan recap the ending of his year in Vietnam, and then kind of fast forward to what he does today. And he was, as we record this, just this week out at Fort Logan National Cemetery in the Denver area taking cremains of two veterans in Greeley who were at funeral homes, and they had died in the 1990s. But it's this man, our guest here on the program, that made sure that they got a proper military burial. So we'll continue with Harlan Olson. That comes up next. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. Now, back to the American Veteran Show. Here's Stephan Tubbs. Welcome back to the program as we continue our visit with Harlan Olson, as we talked about in the beginning, raised on a dairy farm in northeastern Iowa. He, in June of 1962, enlists in the United States Army. In our last segment, he talked about how just days into country in Saigon, he gets word in November 63 that the president of the United States was assassinated. I know you you said that that seems like yesterday. It must be for you to have those types of memories and to have gone through Everything You've had, I'm sure, I would consider as an outsider, you've had an, a remarkable life. Do you consider that? I do consider that. Yeah. You know, she's my high school sweetheart. Janelle is your wife. Nearly 60 years of marriage. I did joke when, we, when I walked yeah. in here to studio. I'm like, she's put up with you for nearly six decades. <laughs> she has indeed. And, yeah. and she's been an amazing woman. Yeah. And uh, been my inspiration to me and and uh and another thing that we do is called run for the wall and uh, it it's a motorcycle trip from los angeles to washington dc and uh, i remember that's how i got my welcome home was on that uh, was on that ride she's behind me on my harley our harley i Mm -hmm. should say Uh and we're coming to the east edge of missouri where we were getting a like a presidential escort across the state, uh, freeways being blocked off, and all these motorcycles, cops, police, are running by us hard, and I couldn't figure out what's going on. And we come to the edge of the, at the end of the eastern state line, and they're lined up along the highway perfectly, and they're standing by their front wheel wow. with a salute. I know it's emotional today. Yep. It's, that was my welcome home. Mm. Jeez. Mm. You earned it. You definitely, Thank you. You definitely did. And 
you know, I want to there's not going to be enough time to give your life justice and and to talk about the things that you have done. And I, I do ask individuals like you when they're on the program, you know, you do not have to do what you do. Now, you do not have to search. You do not have to talk with military. You do not have to go out to Fort Logan ever again. You don't have to take part in a ride or a charity event. Why do you do it? Somebody has to. And um, if not you or them or whoever, why not me? And so uh, I heard about the program from a friend of mine a number of years ago. And uh, I said, that sounds interesting. So started down that road a, a few years ago and then a pandemic of course kind of got into way of things and so i picked it back up again harlan olson is the united states army veteran again uh he was in vietnam for a year he's told us he does definitely feel lucky it was a uh, a gift from god that he was out of country before say it was headlines every day and into the tumultuous uh, mid to late 1960s but you, you're giving back now one thing that I, I want to make sure I touch on is you you get out of the service, and then did you become a uh, an air traffic controller? I did. Uh, well, not immediately. We uh, I'd always kind of wanted to be an airline pilot, uh-huh. and so I uh, used my GI Bill to get. You needed two years of college, the minimum, and uh, a commercial pilot's license. So I got my two years of college. And at that time, uh, you could 750 or 500 hours uh-huh. and a commercial license you could apply for an airline. Well, I was, I'd gotten a flight instructor job, so I was building my hours. But these jet jockeys were coming back from <laughs> Vietnam taking these jobs. And so it went 500 hours, 750, 1,000 hours. I was always behind. Uh-huh. And then my lovely wife, Janelle, says, yeah, puts an ad in the newspaper where I'm flight instructing in Albert Lee, Minnesota, and it had a air traffic control, uh, FAA hiring air traffic controllers, and she brings up and puts it in front of me and says, you know, you're qualified to do that. So I filled it out, and we... And the, was the rest history? And the rest is history. Except, I became, yeah, I accept, yeah, except I, I, when it ended. When it ended in 80, August of 81, when I went out on strike with the other controllers. And then you were kind of fired. I was by the very fired. The, <laughs> by the President of the United States. By the President States. of the United States. I, I, any bitterness still? No, none at all. Was, were you a Reagan guy? I, I was, as a matter of fact. Would you have fired you if you were him? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I love you. I do have to say as an aside, you chose the wrong career. Ask me why. Why do you think I chose the wrong career? Because you have the velvety silkiness of that voice, you could have had a career in radio. Oh, Oh, seriously? I'm not kidding. Look, my producer, Michael, he is nodding. You, If I gave you this copy to read, I'd just lean back and go, man, your voice is like butter. Harlan Olson, as we wrap up with him, United States Army veteran, Vietnam veteran, and what he does now with Missing in America, the project there to get the cremains of veterans and their spouses to proper burials. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that you would agree that, you know, the mission really wouldn't be complete until there's not another unknown set of cremains to possibly inter. Exactly. And there's, I, I talked to our director, uh, Michael Schatz, who lives up in, who lives in Gre- uh, uh, Grand Junction, Colorado. Uh-huh. 
I was talking to him the other day on the phone, and he was telling me, he says, it's estimated that we probably have over 2,000 unclaimed remains of uh, remains of veterans in Colorado alone. Just in Colorado. Just in Colorado. So the work is far from done. Oh, yes. Yes, well, how do you, How do you know, you know, as we wrap up, how do you know what the next mission is? Do you have people that you're close to maybe identifying and then setting up the the burial at Fort Logan or another national cemetery? Um, it's, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not the only one in Colorado sure. that, that's doing this. And and uh, what we do is, it, it, it's luck. A lot of the times it's just finding, uh, just happened to finding them. Unfortunately, a couple of years ago, there was a law that was passed that funeral homes a lot of times were reluctant to turn over the documentation for fear of... Well, they don't know who you are. Yeah, they don't know who you are, (laughs) or for fear of repercussions from somewhere or whatever. family or... But Colorado is one of the states a couple years ago that passed a, a law saying that we become the next of kin. Well, so I wasn't. I became the next of kin wow. to these uh, two veterans that we took down to Fort Logan uh, the other day. So once you're the next of kin, they need to provide you by law uh, the information that is needed. And so, as an outsider that just cares, and I don't say just, but as an outsider that cares, do you feel a little of that responsibility? You do. You can't help but not to. And um, and I guess that's one of the things that keeps me going is that just just thinking of these get, sitting in her urn on a shelf, nobody cares, and they just you know you're a gift, man. You are you are truly a gift, and I know as you mentioned, you know there's there's a team of of individuals not only here in Colorado but around the country that that care like you do. But I thank you. I want to get, you're a member of the American Legion in Longmont. Give a shout out to those good folks up there. Well, they are. I've been a member there for the past 25, 26 years, and uh, and uh, just a wonderful piece of of, of Longmont, Colorado. Uh, they they're just a, a a wonderful group to be with. And as a matter of fact, I've got kind of talked into running for the uh, vice. Uh, uh, the VP? Vice right, VP there at the Legion. So I don't know whether I'm up to that or not, but uh, we'll find out. So, Well, I'll tell you one thing before we let you go. You were actually put up to this, and you did not have to agree. Harlan Olson, United States Army veteran, one of our listeners to the regular program and or the American Veteran Show, sent me a letter. And who sends a letter anymore? So I remember. And he <laughs> says, you've got to talk to this guy. And I said, well, I'd love to. And then, you know, so Fred kind of put you up to this, and you did not have to accept. So um, on behalf of everybody listening, um, I'm sure glad you did. I am too. I am too. These veterans need to be heard and uh, given the proper honors that they justly deserve. Thank you. Thank you. And welcome home. Thank you. Harlan Olson, a treasure, United States Army veteran, and shout out to those of you at the American Legion in Longmont. We certainly salute all of you as well. We'll be back to wrap up the show. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. Thank you.
This is the American Veteran Show, online at AmericanVeteranShow.com. Here's Stephan Tubbs. We wrap up the program with a terrific story. God is great. We don't mind saying that here on the program. And if you're offended, I, I guess I apologize. However, this segment focuses on a man who was in the news this past week because he put himself in the arena. One of my favorite quotes from former President Teddy Roosevelt, the man in the arena. Well, this man, Don Hines, a small Colorado business owner, owner of Yazoo Barbecue at 2150 North Broadway in downtown Denver. He had presented a very emotional three and a half minutes to members of the Denver City Council less than a week ago. We decided to have him on the regular program, and then there was a gift. Let's pick it up from last week. Let's see how this goes. I hope I don't get choked up. <laughs> now, you and I have never met. You've never you've never met me. I don't even think you knew of this radio station. You've never heard my name. I've never heard yours. I've never heard of your barbecue place. But can I start with something that I want to offer you as a gift? Would you accept if I offered you a gift? Uh, just say yes. So you gotta, just say yes. 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 Okay. okay. Yes. I yes. do. A, I do a program, and I don't know you, if there's military in your family or not. I don't know if you're a veteran or not, and it doesn't matter. But I produce a program called the American Veteran Show that airs every Sunday at noon, and I want to offer you, for the rest of this year, I want to offer you a free commercial for your barbecue establishment for free no strings attached i don't even want one piece of burnt end i want to offer that to you (laughs) because i think god is on my heart and telling me to do that so do you accept right off the bat uh yes absolutely thank you very much and And, uh, yes and, and i have to tell you something that uh how this is how i was raised and it is always difficult for me when i talk about my dad but uh he was a tank commander under Patton. Oh, my God. You see, raised, do you but. see why God is great, Don? I didn't know that. I didn't know that under Patton. I'm just so happy that you accepted our invitation to come on. We hear that your dad, you know, was in World War II, and it, it, it works out. But whenever we extend an invitation, Mr. Hines, you didn't have to say yes. Why did you say yes? Why did you agree to come on the program? Well getting the word out it's uh i've been asked with some others uh i have turned it down one was the national national news Hmm. i turned it down that i didn't see what benefit that would do for denver Mm -hmm. i I support denver i love denver i'm from mississippi (laughs) Mm. so uh uh, it beats the mole hills of Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is from your words. So I'm not, I don't think taking you out of context, but, you know, nobody wants to see their uh, sales reduced by 50% and their their property taxes get jacked up X percent. Nobody wants that. The pandemic for, for small business owners like you, nobody wanted to go through that. It's amazing to me, and congratulations to you and your team that you survived. But this is more than a property tax interview. I know you don't want to get political, but you did put yourself in front of the Denver City Council less than 48 hours ago. You also talked about what is plaguing this city that you love. Your customers are being harassed, the drug use, the crime, homelessness. I know you don't want to make it political, but but isn't it kind of? I mean, your voice being heard, you apparently had enough. You, you took the time to go meet and, and speak in front of these council members. Well, the uh, the taxes are consistent. We're always going to have it. 
I don't have to deal with the homeless or I wouldn't say homeless. It's it's not an everyday occurrence. It's not a weekly occurrence, but it's it just wears on you after three years of nothing happening. Is, uh, is it to you a lack of leadership? Can you put your finger on it, regardless of you know who you want to blame? But I'm just wondering, with all of this soup of a mess that you're having to deal with as a downtown Denver small business owner, can you put your finger on any of it? Like, if you if you corrected this problem, this this wouldn't happen, which may lead to that not happening. I don't know if that even makes sense. Well, I look at it as the uh, the mayor. The mayor's responsible. This is his city. He's supposed to be running it, and. Uh, Right now, he's checked out. He's uh, gone on three trips in the last seven months overseas on our expense. Oh, we know. Ethiopia, uh, Egypt, Ireland, yeah. the U.K. Where else did he go? I think recently back to Japan. Don Hines is our guest. He is the owner-proprietor of Yazoo Barbecue Company. They are at 2150 North Broadway. His website for his barbecue is Yazoo, Y-A-Z-O-O, B-B-Q. YazooBarbecue.com. Is that correct? I want to make sure that's correct. Yes, yes, that's All right, well, that's good, because if I just screwed up and gave you the people the wrong website, that would would do you no good. Uh, You are at, what, 2150 North Broadway? Correct. Uh, Cross streets of Champa Broadway and 22nd and Broadway. Uh, $36,000 plus in property taxes every year. During the pandemic years, saw sales plummet 50%. Guess what didn't plummet 50%? Yeah, that would be the property taxes. I want to talk about your menu. I want to talk, I even want to talk a little bit about such an important figure in your life, and that is your dad. And if, if I cry or you cry, it's okay because we're family, uh, here on this radio station. Tell me about him. Uh, he was, uh, <laughs> I can't really talk about him because I'm going to live. Okay. I'll lose it. Okay. Was uh, he was he in he was in the army? I'm just Yes. Uh you know, a tank commander under Patton. Patton was on T V and I was watching it and whenever a war something came on, he really he he didn't really want to see it. Mm. But I, I asked him I asked him, uh I said, Dad, did uh Patton cuss that much? And he says, Son, they've toned it down. <laughs> 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 that is classic. And then, uh, then I uh, went a few good men. Well, not not that, but uh, that other one that was so realistic, a band of brothers. And I was uh, watching that, and then I go, Dad, this is just this is horrible. And he goes, It's worse than that. Oh. And I don't want to talk about it. Yep. I don't yep. want to talk about. It. So I changed the channel, and I never uh, spoke to him about that again. Mm. So he. Uh, he had lost his eye. He had his eye shot out. And uh, I learned when I was like 14 years old that he had a fake eye. <laughs> wow. Was, you didn't know until yeah, 14. Was, yeah. I heard my sister scream. <laughs> and I go running down the hall. I said, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she goes, Dad has his eye in his hand. <laughs> she didn't. <laughs> did she, did she, she know either she before know. that? Oh my! No, she did not know either. He did not share that with us. Oh at my all. goodness! Well, rest. What was your dad's was, name? What was his name? Uh, Horace Horace H. Hines, and uh, from Mississippi was, uh, as well. Yes, born and raised there. But I learned everything about barbecue in Memphis, Tennessee. But uh, but he uh, he was a great man. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. And he he raised a pretty damn good son too, Don Hines. Colorado small business owner fighting like hell 
Yazoo Barbecue Company, 2150 North Broadway. The website, yazooyazoobbq.com. What's the best thing on your menu, brother? Uh, well, when uh, that's been asked, everybody in line, they usually say everything is good. One thing that is very unique uh, is the bob. But uh, the bob is uh, chicken breast cut the size of a golf ball. It's then uh, mix, chop, mixed with chopped up jalapenos. It's then uh, wrapped in bacon. It's then put on a skewer. Then there's a dry rub put on there, and then it's uh, smoked smoked for like two hours. He didn't have to say a thing after bacon. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we're running out of time. I got about a minute left with you, but I want to end the way I started. And hearing about your dad, Horace, World War II veteran, tank commander under General Patton, his eye was shot out, uh, Purple Heart recipient for his, his valiant service in World War II. I had no idea that your father was who he was, and I have no idea really what to expect from you when you when you came on. But you know what? I'm just really appreciative of your time today. Thank you. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Again, Don Hines. Expect to hear. Again, no strings attached. A free 60-second commercial or an advertisement here on the American Veteran Show. Our gift to Don Hines in honor of his father, Horace Hines, a World War II tank commander under General George S. Patton. Look forward to having Yazoo Barbecue, a member of our sponsor team, within the next month or so. That wraps up this week's edition of the American Veteran Show. Next week, a special Mother's Day edition, so stay tuned for that. For producer Michael Arpaio, I'm Stephen Tubbs. Have a terrific week ahead, and remember our troops. The American Veterans Show is a copyrighted production of Mountain Time Media Group, LLC. All rights reserved. For more information, visit AmericanVeteranShow.com. Join us next week for another edition of The American Veterans Show. Searching for last-minute gifts? Shop the last-minute deal sale at Virginia ABC and save 20% on select 750-milliliter bottles. That's 20% off gifts for the hard to shop for. 20% off gifts guaranteed to fit. 20% off gifts to celebrate the season. And 20% off a little gift for yourself. Shop the last minute deal sale at Virginia ABC. In stores and online now through December 21st. Please sip responsibly. 